0: As-salamu ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyyina Abil Qasim al-Mustafa Muhammad Allahumma salli ala Muhammad Wa ala Muhammad Wa ala ala al-Tayyibin al-Tahirin Dear sisters and brothers, As-salamu alaykum What an honor to be among you for another night And tonight we also have a special um, guest with us, although he's the host, I'm the guest. So, Such an honor, Sheikh Ali. I feel a little bit shy, to be honest with you. Um, so I'm very, very um, honored to be among all of you. And tonight we also have a big watch in front of me, which solves half of my stress. I was like, how can I keep time? Now the time is right in front of me. Perfect. Inshallah, the discussion that we'll be having tonight is, as you will see, um, much more practical than the discussions we've had the first two nights. The first two nights, we tried to set the context, prepare the ground, but tonight we're going deep. And Inshallah, it gets practical. If you remember, um, yesterday we were speaking about ma'rifatun nafs, self-knowledge. And we said that we have so many ahadith that say ma'rifatun nafs is the most beneficial form of knowledge, right? Anfa'ul ma'arif, a hadith from Imam Ali salam And so we thought, okay, if we want to spend our time on anything, well, let it be ma'rifatun nafs, let it be self-knowledge, let it be who am I. And in the introduction, we also spoke about the fact that a lot of us, we are interested in this because we've all heard man arafa nafsah, faqad arafa rabbah, etc. But we try, it's like we hit a dead end. How do you do ma'rifatun nafs? How do you learn knowledge about yourself? Where do you look for it? So that's kinda where we ended yesterday. Today we're gonna pick up from there. And I'll also mention a little bit of a review for those who may not have been with us yesterday. The first thing we talked about, we said, see, when we want to start self-knowledge, learning a little bit more about ourselves, we need to know one thing. And that is what what is attention. This was a prerequisite of self-knowledge. We need to learn a little bit more about what attention is, and then start paying attention inside. If you remember yesterday, I used this example. I said attention is the flashlight we have inside that we can point it at different things. So for example, if I say, please pay attention to this, now, the beautiful person that you are, you're looking at here. You're no longer looking at that part of the world, right? It's as if your awareness, your, uh, we can say, your sight, everything, when you pay attention to something, you point it to that way, right? So when you pay attention, you're bringing everything here, and you're not looking at the other places. Now, if you, for example, pay attention to the water bottle in front of you, that's the same. Your attention goes there. You're not seeing anything else. So when we want to start self-knowledge, this flashlight that we keep pointing at different things, we can look at these beautiful chandeliers, we can look at these beautiful books, beautiful tiles. We say, okay, that flashlight, which is my attention, I'm going to point it inside in words. Now, let's do a practical uh, exercise now. Pay your attention inside and tell me what do you find. And I can help you. Probably there's gonna be some thoughts, like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, this mosque is really annoying me. I can't wait to take it off. I don't know, what are some of the thoughts you have? So, when you look inside right now, it's as if that flashlight, instead of pointing it outside at the world, you're pointing it inside and you find certain things inside yourself, like the thoughts which you have right now. It's as if there's a voice in your head that's talking to you. Then we said the problem is that we can't go much deeper than this. Alan, okay, I paid attention inside. I found these thoughts, this voice in my head that's talking, whatever it's saying, but I can't go deeper than that. I can't find much else inside. There's just some thoughts and maybe a little bit feelings like, oh, my my legs hurt a little bit. Even this, I find it inside. I'm a little bit bored. I'm excited. I'm intrigued. I'm finding these things inside. But this is not self-knowledge. Where is that greater universe that in that poem? Do you know do you think you're a small thing? while within you is the greater universe. Where is that? I'm looking inside, I can't find anything. So This is where we ended yesterday. We're going to pick it up from here and try and go deeper. The discussion that will start today continues for three nights. So I'm hoping that you would be with us either here or online. But I've done it in a way, I'm trying to design it in my head in a way that even if you stay with us one night, if you're one of those people who want to leave us, and never pay attention to us again, i have designed it in a way that even for you, betraying you, at least one night would be enough. But ideally, I'm hoping you would follow the rest of the nights. Now, there are many rules for self-knowledge. Tonight, we'll cover three of them. And with every one of these rules, your understanding of who you are will increase. And when I say who you are, I mean, as I said yesterday, from the small things of why is it that when I'm in an argument with a friend, I start raising my voice, or another one of us leaves the room, or another one starts blaming. Why is it that my friend drives fast and I drive slow? Why is it that I have social anxiety and another person doesn't? from these small things you learn about yourself to greater things about how am i connected to god where do shaitan's temptations take place to all sorts of other things so tonight we're going to cover three rules of self-knowledge the first rule of self-knowledge is that think of yourself and when i say yourself by the way i mean you know that thing inside you which, when I ask you, how are you, answers. How are you now? There's part of you that answers to that question. Although by the time you speak, you may not really say how you feel. Like if I ask you, how are you now? You may be like, Alhamdulillah, which is not really how you feel. Or I can't complain. You've put so many barriers, or maybe you just not bothered to talk about it, or you think the other person may be not interested. Whatever you say at the end, there's a part of you that when I ask you, how are you, it feels something. Well, actually, I'm fine today. Or a little bit stressed for an exam tomorrow. Or, you know what, someone's ill at home, I'm, I'm a little bit stressed. That, that. We're talking about that. That's the part of you that we're trying to learn more about. So, think of that thing, which you call it, I. I'm feeling this way. Think of that like a kind of space, a room. Just for the sake of understanding, let's use a metaphor. Why are we calling it a a territory, a space, a room? Even though if I look inside myself, it's not like there's any place in which that I is sitting. It's not a physical space. But when I'm talking to you, you feel like you're somewhere. Probably most of you feel like you're behind your eyes. Right? Look at me, that part of you, that when I ask you, how are you? That part of you, that I. where is it? Probably most of you think it's behind your eyes, because that's where you're looking at the world from. Right? So, but it's not like if I open my head, I'm going to be finding something. No, it's not a physical space. It's a spiritual space. And it's there that you find your thoughts. Where are your thoughts? Where is this voice in your head that says, ooh, this is getting a little bit complicated, or ooh, this is interesting, or how does he know there's a voice in my head? Any of these could be in your head. But it's not like if we open your head, we can find them. No, it's a a spiritual space. It's a space that's not very physical, at least with a shallow understanding of what physical is. So so the first one I want you to do is for for the sake of these self knowledge ex, um, exercises let's think of ourselves like a space like a territory inside it there could be thoughts inside it there could be feelings oh i'm excited inside it there could be temptations inside it there could be dreams oh i can't wait to get older and do this now So, what does the first rule of self-knowledge say? It says, the territory, the space, that entity, that reality, which is you, is larger than the part of it that you are aware of. Let me say that again. You are larger, greater, than what you are aware of right now. If I give you a few examples, it will become clear. Now, when you look inside, you only find a few thoughts. But is that all you are? No. You've got so many memories. You you are way larger. You have so many childhood memories. You have so many plans that right now you're not thinking of. So right now you're not aware of it. But all it takes is for us to take that flashlight and go a little bit around, like, let's uh, do a real exercise. Think of your memories from primary school. Please, by the way, be a little bit cooperative. Do this inside. Think of some of the memories you have from primary school. What happened? As soon as you try and do this, your phone falls off. (laughs) (laughs) Is it okay, sorry, if, if I'm so sorry, by the way? Thank you. So I even brought it for the time which, but we have a big watch here, so this is useless. So back to our exercise. As soon as you started thinking about memories of primary school, what happened? Some memories came up, correct or not? Can you tell me if it happened or not, like you can say, yes, it came? Yes. Okay, so difficult, such a tough crowd by the way. Um, If it was before iftar, I would get you. But you've even had your iftar, where's the energy? So, memories came, at least a few of you were nice enough to say yes. But a few minutes ago, those memories weren't there. Didn't we try? We looked inside, we're not thinking about primary school memories. Some other thoughts were there. What does that tell you? There is so much to you that's hidden. It doesn't always come up. You have to actively look for it, right? The part of you that you're aware of is only a small part of you. But you can use that flashlight, point it at a different part of yourself, and remember so much. So we took the flashlight. We said, let's think of primary school. So many things about you came up. Right? So that was the first rule of self-knowledge. You are greater than the small part that you are aware of right now. And this also solves the issue of why is it that when you look inside, you hit a dead end. Because when you look inside, you only see a small part of yourself. If you want to see other stuff, you have to actively point the flashlight there. And we can point it at so many different places. Like now we tried primary school, we can also try memories we have with grandma. Suddenly you see, oh, so many thoughts and memories and feelings come. Now if, for example, some of us have lost grandma, in addition to the memories, some feelings come as well. Oh, pain comes, loss comes, missing hair comes. So that was the first rule. You're larger than the part of you that you're aware of. And a good example, by the way, I don't know if there's a TV that shows me, probably there is somewhere in this room, or any TV that you watch. Imagine there's a, uh, like, okay, imagine I've gone live on Insta, right? For the sake of the argument, I'll act as if I am. Let's say right now I'm live on Instagram. They're looking at me, right? They will see this part of the hall, correct or no? Let's say I'm on my phone on Instagram, This camera is recording me. The people watching at home, what will they see? Only this part of the hall. That's exactly like us. When we look inside, we only see one part of the room, which is ourself. Right? Now, if the people at home who are watching, for example, on Instagram, for example, want to watch the rest of the room, what do I have to do? Turn the camera around, which is exactly what we just did. We were only seeing part of the room, which is self, And then we pointed the camera around and we started seeing another part of it, like our memories from high school, our memories with grandma. Now, what is the second rule of self-knowledge? By the way, you will see how important these are in a few minutes when I tell you that according to Imam Sajjad, Imam Ali alaihi salam, and Imam Hussein. if you wanna please recite the salawat. Now this is the marketer side of me, like I'm doing some marketing. In few minutes, you'll see why these discussions are so important, because we'll see that according to the three beloved Imams that I mentioned, the highest thing you can achieve, the highest level of spirituality is the level of رضا, And in order to get to رضا, we need all of this. We need it. Right? Imam Sajjad, salam, in Ziyarat Aminullah, that we're going to be reading after this talk later on tonight. What does he, what does he say? Allahumma faj'al nafsi mutma'inatan God, please make my heart, myself, Mutma'inna, calm, at peace, okay with your reza, with your qada later. It says, be qadhaik. This thing of being at peace with what the qadha and qadar of God, the decrees, the divine decrees, the divine decisions. What was the last words of Imam Hussein? So, one of the last words: "Ilahi <inaudible> Tasliman it's so important, this concept of surrendering to God's will, being okay with God's divine decrees, that it's one of the last words of Imam Hussein. Imam Sajjad, when he goes to visit Imam Ali, that's also one thing he says. We have it in so many places, we'll get there. But see, we've read Ziyarat Aminullah so many years. Can you say that I am okay with God's will? There's a hadith that says people sleep like we are so not okay with God's decrees. We're so not okay with what's happening in the world that the hadith says someone could sleep with Iman, wake up without Iman. What happened, for example, a bug came or a fly. It was annoying them and it was like, God, why did you even create these bugs? If I was God, I wouldn't create this. Even at this level, we're not okay with what's happening in the world. So tonight, you'll see we're gonna go good places, but in order to get there, you have to listen, right? The first stages of it may be a little bit dry, but we're gonna get to some really cool places. So, that was the first rule. You are greater than the part of yourself that you see. What's the second rule? You know this flashlight that we're using to look inside and discover different parts of ourselves. A lot of the times, we're not the one pointing it at different places. It's external things in the world. Like right now. It's not like you chose to remember primary schools. I said something, you did it. Right? So the second rule of self-knowledge is that the flashlight you use to look at different parts of yourself and which brings things up is not always in your hand. Sometimes the sheikh tells you. Sometimes you're watching a movie. And this is very important, because everywhere that the flashlight goes, it brings certain things up, and and as a result of that, your priorities change, your worries change, your concerns change. Let me give you an example. So you're a person who, for example, want to be, um, like you're very much focused at work. Let's say, there's this person focused at work. Now he's he's at work, he's with his friends, all they're talking about is that, you know what, we have to spend more time at work, maybe longer shifts, sacrifice a little bit of family time, so that we can, like it's in startup, to make this startup work, right? So the person is at work, which kind of things inside is coming up? Which part of him is he paying attention to? The part of it which is focused on business, right? So all he can think about Oh, dreams of the business working, succeeding. The flashlight is there. Now, he goes home, for example. He goes home and he receives a call that says, for example, you know what, your parents are lonely. No one has been visiting them for COVID and they're a little upset with you. When was the last time you visited your parents? This thing outside, the call he received, which told him your parents are lonely. When was the last time you visited them? What did it do? It took the flashlight of his attention and pointed it at a different part of him. Which part? The part in which he cares about his family, his love for his parents, and maybe with that some guilt comes as well. Now, his priorities are what? Oh, I have to visit them more. Maybe I'm working too much. Now which one of this is him? Both of them. At work, the flashlight was bringing some other things about him, so his priority was I have to sacrifice family time, succeed. At home, that event brought some other things up, like his love for his family, the fact that he misses his parents, maybe a little bit of guilt. So as the flashlight changes, so does your priorities, your concerns, your worries. For example, you're here in the Majlis for the Knights of Qadr. All you can think about is what? God. What are your worries, priorities? Your priorities right now probably are like your relationship with God, your spiritual growth. Make sure you do the Ahmad's right. But that's not all there is to you. All it takes is for you to leave this place, go on Instagram, receive an email from work, It's like the attention, the flashlight pointed at a different part of you, your other priorities come up. Well, yeah, we wanted to do like that whole amal and relationship with God, but now some other things are coming up. So see, this is very important. If you're not aware, external events point you at different things, and with that, your priorities change, your concerns change. Like you're here, you're worried about your relationship with God, you go out, you're worried about your job. And I'm not saying one is better than the other. Both of them are inside you. Your concerns for work and your concerns for your relationship with God, they're both within you. It's just that if you're not aware, you never sit down and bring them together and decide, okay, this, you know, life will decide for you. Something will happen. Oh, this is what I need to do. Another thing, oh, this is what I need to do. Right? So this was the second rule of self-knowledge. What is the third rule of self-knowledge? When the second rule, we said the outside world, determines sometimes which part of you you're aware of. That was the second one. In the third one, the third rule of self-knowledge, we say what's inside you changes the way you see the outside world. The second one was about the impact of the external world on you. The third one is about the way. If there's something inside you, it changes the way you see the world. Now, we need to give a few examples. Some of them I, I mentioned, I think, in the first or second night. Let's say Sheikh Jawad is jealous inside. And alhamdulillah, we have Sheikh Ali, so I can explain this really well. Let's say I'm jealous of Sheikh Ali which is very likely, is better, uh, more good-looking, more eloquent, better knowledge, all of that. Now, let's say instead of looking up to Sheikh Ali so that I can learn and improve myself, so that when I hear his lecture, I enjoy, instead I'm jealous. Now, no matter how much beauty is in my own life, Whenever I look outside, I won't see them because all I'm thinking about is that, damn it, that Sheikh is better than me, right? If jealousy inside me, I may look at the world and not see the good things in my life. Or for example, ooh, that person, that reciter has more followers than me. If I'm jealous, I will no longer enjoy the good things in my life. Well, you have some people who listen to your thoughts as well but you no longer enjoy it. So that was jealousy. Insecurity. Let's say I'm an insecure friend. If I'm an insecure friend, for example, at some point, my friends left me. I'm insecure now. In every friendship, when I look at it, I'm like, they're going to leave me. They're going to leave me. So jealousy inside makes me not see the good things in my life. I'm only focusing on the good things in other people's life. Insecurity inside me, I look at the world, I'm like, all my friends are gonna leave me. Anger inside me, I look at the world and all I see is that the bad things people did to me, right? If you're, and this is even scientifically proven. If you're in a relationship with your partner, with a sibling, with your parent, you're in a fight. In that moment when you're angry, all you can see are the bad memories. Your brain, literally, stops the good memories coming to your mind even scientifically proven. I wish we had time to explain why it does this but for now all we care about is that if something is inside you it changes the way you see the world and or for example another thing if you know sometimes when people cheat like a partner cheats on their partner Now, because they've done this, they may look at the world and be like, oh, my partner may be cheating too. A lot of people who cheat immediately, like before they cheated, they would look at their partner and be like, no, she would never cheat on me, or he would never cheat on me. As soon as this thing comes inside them, that they have cheated, now when they look at the world, like, oh, what if my partner cheats at me? They get scared. The people who have cheated, their trust and their partner goes away. So interesting. You cheated. Why don't you trust them? Because what's inside me changes the way I see the world. Insecurity inside me, people are judging me. Anger inside me, they haven't done anything good for me. Now, I, I wish we had time to explain this more in details. This is such an important point. In addition to these small things that for example anger jealousy etc all of these together all of the things which are inside me my insecurity my fears my whatever my whatever all of these things come together and create the overall feeling i have about the world this feeling inside me changes I look at the world and I say the world is like that let me give you a few examples at one level by the way these are different states of it different stages of it at some point I may have this feeling inside there's so much pain that I haven't worked through there's so much I I I'm in a dark place inside and I look at the world and I see there's no point in life. This world is meaningless. Why did God even create it? You look at the world and you don't see any meaning at, at that level. You look at the world, no meaning. What's the point of all of this? You find it difficult to get up in the morning. What's the point of no meaning, no motivation. Why did God create me? I wish I could end my life. That's something inside me, it changes the taste of the universe for me. Then another level could be you work on that. By the way, these are in order. Like now you can even look at the people, for example, in your life or even yourself. And based on how they perceive the world, understand what's going on inside them. After you come out of apathy, you go to fear. There's inside you a lot of fear. Let's say you've worked with your apathy. It's no longer like, I don't see any point in the world. What's the point of it? No motivation to engage in the world. You go a little bit higher, maybe the feeling inside you is fear. If fear is the overall feeling inside you, you look at the world and is the world is such a scary place, a lot of people at the verge of becoming an adult are at this stage. How do you do your tax return? Damn it, this world is so scary. How do you get a house? How do you get a mortgage? How do you... There's fear inside of these things, and it changes the taste of the world. The world becomes a scary place. You go above fear, it becomes anger. Anger is a little bit higher than fear. In fear, you're trapped. You may not engage. You're like, oh, I shouldn't do anything. You're so scared. You don't want to engage. In anger, why didn't anyone teach us? Why did anyone teach me how to do tax return in school? They taught us, I don't know, algebra, Pythagoras. Why did anyone teach us? Why did anyone prepare us for this world? You go to anger. And you look at the world. Previously, you looked at the world. Tax return is scary. The world is a scary place. When you go to the place of anger, you look at tax return. You don't get scared. You get angry. Why did anyone teach us? You see, what's inside me changes the way I see the world. Then you may go to pride afterwards. I'll show them, which is a great stage by the way. Any of them you go, even fear is better than apathy. Anger is better than fear. Pride is better than anger. It's more healthy. You get pride, like I'll show them. I'll go and do this. I'll prove everyone I can. And then after that is courage, which is you engage without the need to show anyone, just for yourself. All of this we can go into details later on, inshallah. Tonight I'm just saying what? The taste of the world for us is dependent on what's going on inside us. We were never meant to suffer. We never came in this world to be in so much pain. It's just that there are certain things inside us which make the taste of the world bitter for us. And we never learned how to get rid of them. You know, you've all heard of one of the most famous lines for the Shi'as. And I didn't see anything but beauty. Was that a nice situation, Lady Zainab was in? No, there was so much pain. But she says, there's something inside me that despite all of that difficulty, the taste of the world is not that bitter for me. I can see the beauty. And we can all get to that stage. We can. Tonight, we're going to start this journey. So this was the first rule of self-knowledge. What's happening inside you changes the taste of the world for you. We can get to a place that no matter what's happening in our life, we enjoy it. And in fact, we'll talk about it that the imams say that's one of the highest levels of spirituality. Okay. Okay. So, in order to explain how does this process start, what's inside us that made us go through pain? Why is it that when I look at the world, I can't see, I can't say, like Lady Zainab, that what's inside me? When did I ever put something inside me that now stops me from enjoying the world? When did this happen? So tonight we're gonna to be talking about that. Uh, If it's okay, please recite another salawat. I don't know how much of it we can cover tonight, but even if we couldn't cover all of it, we'll continue tomorrow. But let's start at least. In order to explain what happened, that something in, came inside us that changed the taste of the world for us. That now we look outside and all we see is pain, difficulty, loneliness, separation from God. We don't feel like we're special. We don't feel like we're souls created by God. We don't feel God's presence. We don't feel God has our back. What happened? So, in order to understand this, I wanna use the story of Prophet Adam in the Qur'an. I'm not saying what I'm saying is the interpretation of that story. No, I'm just gonna use that story as an inspiration so that we understand our own predicament, what happened to us. Because every lesson, every story in the Qur'an has different layers. So we're now talking about a a layer of the story of Prophet Adam in the Quran. See, if you look at his story, at some level, it's the story that happened to every single one of us. At some point, Prophet Adam is created by God and God blew from his own spirit or out of respect, he says, I attribute it to myself, into Adam. Adam is at the highest level, close to God. Even God says, Right. So in the first stage, Prophet Adam is what? Connected to God, close to God. Then what happens? Then he starts going into that, they say, that jannah, that garden, that paradise. Whether it was in that world, in this world, for tonight it doesn't concern us. So initially he's close to God, connected to God. Then he, he goes into that garden. He still feels God. He still communicates with God. But it's a little bit further he's he's exploring that garden right you all remember the story he still communicates with god there's still no pain there's still no worries there's still no issue what happens as he's exploring that garden he sees something that he can't let go god says if you go that way there's pain it's not good don't go that way But he can't let go he gets stuck on it so i want this the forbidden fruit or whatever that thing is so as soon as he goes for that what happens out of that paradise out of that garden pains come worries come troubles start so first stage connection to god no worries connection to god Communication with God, he's exploring that garden, still no problem. But then as soon as he gets stuck on something, he doesn't let go. He eats that fruit, bing, suddenly in a stage of pain, worries, concerns, and fears, and all of that. And then again, from there, God, he repents, he teaches a way to heal, and then goes back to God. Right? So, this is kind of... This cycle we all go through. We start with God, and then we get separated. We forget that something happens to us on the way. We, a lot of pain and worry comes. We go back. Now, I want to say what happened. In the story of Prophet Adam, we know he ate a fruit. What did we do? We never ate a fruit. So where does all of this pain come from? All of these worries and concerns? So now, by the way, some people have told me don't say khob, right? Someone even uh, it's, it's not like I'm doing it on purpose to hurt you. <laughs> it's just part of my accent. It comes up, but I apologize anyway. People take things personally. What happened to us? When did we go through these stages that Prophet Adam went through? See, like him, at some point, we were with God before coming to this world. Right? Before being born, like Him, we're connected to God and God created us. ruhi kind of applies to all of us. Then we came into this world. We came into this world as children. What were we like? Did we have any worries? Did we have any troubles? Did we have any stress of what's going to happen at work, that promotion, the rent, the bills, the council tax, the road tax, the insurance? Did we have those worries? No. As children... We were just in this world exploring, having fun, in living life. And in fact, we have some ahadith that say children even have communication with angels and all of that. We have these ahadith. So at some point in our life, we were even in that stage. And look at children. They feel life. They live life. Like, you give them sand, they engage with it. Ooh, sand! They go towards mud, they like, ooh, mud. Water, water, the trees. Wherever you take them, you're living life. They're enjoying. So what happened? When did we, at what age did we eat that forbidden fruit that suddenly took us out of that garden? See, this is what happened. And now I have only a few minutes. I'll just say the maybe low resolution, tomorrow will continue deeper. What happened is that in life we were living, and then something came, see, experiences were coming and going. One event after the other. We were going to the park, we came home, we were watching TV with parents. See, one after the other, events in our life were happening. But then suddenly an event came which we couldn't let go. Like it was too nice, it was too good. We held on to it. Like what, let's say for example, I had a friend, I was really enjoying being with that friend. And then his parents came and he had to go. Now, I couldn't let go. No one told me don't enjoy when he's there. They said enjoy, but when he's gone, let go. We couldn't do that. It was too nice to let go. Now how is that a bad thing? Well, after the friend left, in everything, in life, we're waiting for him. Like the parents came, took the friend away. Now it was dinner time. We're having dinner, but we're thinking about him. I want to play with my friend. Where did he take him? So you're not enjoying dinner anymore. That thing which you couldn't let go remains in your heart. You're moving to the next experience in life. But you can't let go, you're still thinking about that. So you can't enjoy the next thing. Even for you happens, you're talking to a friend on the phone, the conversation finishes. Okay, you had fun with your friend, beautiful, let go. Now your wife is here, talk to your wife. If you can't let go, you're talking to your wife, but you're thinking about your friend in your head. So your wife is there, but you're not there. You're with your friend. You're talking to your friends, you're not enjoying your wife. You're not enjoying your family. You don't even see them. And then people are like, why is it that after a few years of marriage, our relationship is meh, it's boring, the passion is gone, because you're no longer seeing them. See, if, and if at one moment I don't let go of something, I'm holding on to it. So the next experience comes, I'm thinking about that. Now imagine if for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, things come, you don't let go. By the time you're 20, 30, you can't even see the world anymore. When was the last time you saw a tree, honestly, and you enjoyed it? you like, oh, a tree. You're not seeing the world anymore. You've got so many things inside you haven't let go that you can't see anything new. You can't look at your wife and enjoy it anymore. You can't look at your mother and enjoy it. Something crazy has to happen for you to be like, oh, my sibling, I have a brother or I have a sister. Because there's so much inside you're not letting go. So that was with the good things, with the bad things as well. If something bad happened in our life, okay, it was painful, and you let go. But if it's too painful, that I wanna escape from it. So I'm gonna be spending so much energy so that that doesn't happen again, right? Let's say I was singing or I was reciting the Surah of Quran, and then my parents came and said, or someone came, oh, your voice is so bad. That feeling was so uncomfortable that I made a decision that I shouldn't feel that way again. So in my life, wherever there was a recitation, wherever there was a competition in which people were reciting, I was like, "No, no, no, take that away from me, because it reminds me of something bad. So whether something good happens, we can't let go, or something bad happens, we don't want it to happen. We're holding on all of them inside. Now. What happens is that slowly, slowly, these things create so many blockages inside us that stop us from looking at the world. Now, because my time is over, and if I continue, the organizers are going to kick me out, I'm going to finish tonight's discussion, even though, believe me, we're just at the beginning of this. It's going to get so much more interesting. So please enjoy. To- continue tomorrow. I'm just going to finish with a line from Du'a Arafel of Imam Hussein. Imam Hussein says what Bismillah al-rahman al-rahim Ilahi in ikhtilaf tadbirika wa sur'at tawa maqadirik man'a ibadak al-aarifina bik 'an al-sukoon 'ala al-aatha wa liya'si min Kefi bala It's very beautiful very deep Imam Hussein says see the person who reaches a high level of spirituality al-aarifina they have realized, they've looked at life, and they've realized that, oh, in life, things come and go. Experiences come and go. Things change. Today you have a friend, tomorrow he goes. Today this happens, tomorrow... He, yeah. They've realized this so much, they've seen it, that two things doesn't happen to them. They enjoy good things in their life, but they never obsess over them. And at the same time, they're like, oh, I have this one. And at the same time, when bad things happen, they're like, oh, it's painful, but I have to let it go. I shouldn't hold on to it too much. And I didn't get the chance to explain why, how we hold on to things, we'll go through it tomorrow. But inshallah, let's finish tonight here. And I know by the way, some of you may be like, why is the Sheikh not doing matam? why is he not, right? Uh, let me explain that, by the way, I don't have time. And I'm not very good at reciting ma'atam, so I've said when we have professional reciters, I'll leave it to them, right? My duty is to help you fall in love with the ear. Inshallah, someone else will recite it for you, right? My duty is to show you when you read ziyarat, for example, for example ziyaratu aminullah, it says, My duty, is to make that part of your life. Or when Imam Hussein says, how many years have we heard these things? Why are we not happy with life? Why can't we say like Lady jamila"? that's what I'm trying to do, to make you enjoy these lines, to make them part of your life, to make them change your life. And there's so much to cover, I just don't have time. Believe me, these were half of the points I had for tonight. So now we have to use tomorrow. So please forgive me that I have to end like this because I know some of you are used to the speaker reciting some more as well. Inshallah, we're benefiting from professional people, right? You don't need my terrible voice with that. As long as I can make you fall in love with these lines from Ahlul Bayt, that's enough for me. Right? So I hope, inshallah, you enjoy the rest of the night. We have amazing professional reciters, best in the world, that can bring these beautiful du'as into life. And let us remember tonight that we are here for a real change. What was rule number three of self-knowledge? What's inside you changes the way you perceive the world, whether in this life or after we die. So if we want to have some real change, if we want to see God, if we want to look at the world and enjoy it, if we want a better hereafter, what's the way? Change something inside. So whatever amal we're doing, let's have that in mind. And on that note, let's recite the salawat.